0: something to say hello everyone Welcome to this episode of Project Shadow. My name's Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, And I'm here to talk to you today about one of my favorite topics. Where's all the fantasy media? Because I can find science fiction shows. I can find them all over the place. I can find horror shows all over the place. Where's all the fantasy media? And why don't we get much of it? I, I've thought about this a lot for years because it's been kind of a problem for me as a fan of fantasy fiction growing up, be it sword and sorcery, epic fantasy, steampunk, what have you, there's never been a lot to watch. And that's mostly what I mean when I say media, the TV shows, movies, things of that nature. There are books, there are tons of books, but we're not getting the movies. Why? Well, it's not because there's no audience for it. If you think back to when the Lord of the Rings movies were coming out, they did very well at the box office and proved that there is a market for fantasy fiction, a much larger market than I would have thought. And I think that you can see this with the Star Wars movies as well, because while they get lumped into sci-fi, they're predominantly about space wizards. I mean, let's be honest, it's space wizards with light swords, with some sci-fi action thrown in for spice. So they make a lot of money. Marvel movies, quite a few of them, would easily be classed as fantasy Fiction from Thor to Doc Strange. Infinity War was probably one of the biggest fantasy movies that has come out in a while. Black Panther. I, I would class that as fantasy fiction. So why don't we see a run on this? Because when a genre shows that it's financially viable at all, then usually there's a thousand and one competitors. Think about what happened when Twilight came out. Every channel had their vampire werewolf love triangle story come out. Think about how many movies came out around it. Lord of the Rings came out, and the only show that I can think of that happened was Legend of the Seeker, which actually started as an, kind of an independent project. It was a syndicated show until it was eventually bought out. And they actually took a lot of the fantasy elements out of it when they bought it out. It Season 2... There, there's a very big difference in that show between Season 2 and Season 1. And I've never been quite sure why. Well... Recently, we had the MTV try to do sort of Shannara. Well, they called it the Shannara Chronicles, and they based it off of the books by Terry Brooks. It didn't do that well, but it wasn't put together all that well either. So where's the media? I mean, we can see with Game of Thrones, fantasy can be a huge seller, it can be a huge part of a channel. You can kind of see the desperation in HBO right now, with Game of Thrones winding down, its final season is about to air. And well, a lot of people like myself are realizing without Game of Thrones we don't watch HBO that much. And maybe it's time to cancel our subscriptions after the series ends. So of course quickly they announced well we're going to be doing a new Game of Thrones series and Yeah, okay. Well, that's exciting. Tell me more. But where's the rest of it? And I really mean that. With the exception of children's literature, which admittedly when Harry Potter showed that it could be a successful film series, we did get some fantasy shows to go along with it. We got the... A couple Percy Jackson movies. You know. Netflix has given us the Troll Hunter series, which was a good fantasy series, even though it was specifically directed towards children. I don't count The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina because while it does have a lot of magical and fantasy elements to it, it has shown itself predominantly to be a horror series. And while, yes, dark fantasy is a thing, and don't don't call me out on that... A lot of the fiction that I write is kind of easily classified as dark fantasy. But The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina is veering very strongly towards more horror-themed episodes than it is towards fantasy. It could go either way, and who knows, it may eventually switch itself up. But for now, that's where I'd put it. So why don't we see more? Why didn't the popularity of Game of Thrones give us something other than just the Shannara Chronicles on MTV? Sorry to keep saying it that way, but it seems weird. Every time I think of who actually did that series that it was MTV, that just... I don't know. It it seems like a weird choice even for MTV. Because... I don't know. I don't see how it fits in with their branding. But anyway, I have a theory. And it's one that I don't like to say out loud. And I think it's that fantasy is still seen as too geeky to be mainstream, even though Lord of the Rings, which is the geekiest of all geeky geekiness that could have ever been made into a movie, was made into six movies. If you count the Hobbit debacle, which even though they weren't good movies, they still did fairly well in the theaters for reasons beyond my comprehension. Game of Thrones is seen as kind of an outlier because a lot of its success, when you actually read articles talking about why Game of Thrones is successful, they all too often bring up the uh, nudity on the series, and its sexuality, or I should really say its heterosexuality, because, well, we've seen what they think about gay people on that show. Yeah, I'm not going to talk about that. And I don't think the executives understand what to do with fantasy fiction. The BBC gave us Merlin a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and it was a good show for what it was. But again, it didn't spawn competitors, it didn't spawn other shows to go alongside it. Because media companies only like to do what they understand. And science fiction, for the most part, is fairly easy to understand. At least the way that it's done in the media. Okay, we need some futuristic action sequences with some technobabble thrown in for spice and some aliens that are gonna be invented by our props department done. Fantasy, on the other hand, is a much trickier beast because fantasy requires the construction of a complete alternate world. As much as Star Wars is a fantasy series, it sits comfortably in that science fiction world because while it doesn't have earth or anything recognizably earth in it, the cities are your standard futuristic cities or desert cities or there are other genres that can be pulled on to help the studios understand how to do that the same thing with thor thor is a very fantasy style series but it's a superhero show and they've gotten the grasp on superheroes the same with doc strange That's definitely a fantasy series. He's a freaking wizard. But, yeah, he's really just a superhero. So as long as we follow what we already understand and know about superhero stories, it will be good. And the fact that I can name most of the big budget fantasy movies really easily from the Conan the Barbarian and Conan the Destroyer. You have the Lord of the Rings movies, the Hobbit movies. Um, I would count, nah, David Lynch's Dune, that wasn't really fantasy, and the books really aren't fantasy, but no one goes into the detail that's in the books, so they seem like they're doing magic when it's all hallucinogens and mind-altering drugs and evolutionary processes and such. So... They often feel like magic fantasy stories, even when they're not. See, because a lot of fantasy stories have a medievalism about them, they are thought of more as period pieces, movies, and that's something studios are very uncomfortable with. While and I'm going to use this as kind of a catch all phrase. You will occasionally have the release of a Pride and Prejudice, some kind of a Jane Austen type movie. You know, and you always know what it is. You know, almost every one to two years, one of these type movies comes out. And you're expecting what you're going to get out of it. It's going to be a rom com of some sort. It's going to be a bunch of people in frilly dresses talking very curtly with each other. And eventually, somebody's going to get married at the end or at least fall in love. And so they can understand that because, again, they're basically making a rom com. Westerns don't sell. As much as they keep trying to revive the Western format, People don't go to see them. The, the Western is pretty much a dead media format. It's a dead genre as far as big budget movies and television goes. And the same they feel about any period piece movie. Or anything that, and I hate this term, and please, please don't think that I'm using this because it's a way that I would refer to this, but anything that appears to be too ethnic. This is why in the... Aftermath of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, we didn't see the studios go, oh, Kung Fu's back, and do a bunch of crazy Kung Fu movies. Now, elements of Wuxia was worked into a lot of fiction, and so we got like Bulletproof Monk and The Matrix and films like that. But the actual character of this Chinese fantasy did not go mainstream, even though there was an opening for it to do so. So we talked about this some yesterday when we were talking about prequels. The only thing that the studios understand is money. And if something makes a lot of money, they will generally try to ask themselves, how can we do that again and make more? But the key problem here, when especially when we're dealing with fantasy fiction, is it's outside their comfort zone. It's easy to rationalize a movie like that, or a franchise like that away, because, well, it was Lord of the Rings, and that's pretty much been the top-selling fantasy fiction, because it set the tone for almost every fantasy novel that came after it, and there never really been a movie based on it, even though there were a couple animated things that have happened here, there, and yonder, so there was a pent-up desire for that to be made into a movie. Thus, it is a fluke. So we don't have to worry, as a business, how to feed that fire. We, we don't really know that we will be able to make more money over there because, well, I don't know what the next thing would be. Uh, yeah, Wheel of Time might work. And reportedly, there's a Wheel of Time story um, series in the works. I can't remember who's working on that right now. But may, maybe. There's some David Eddings books that maybe. But it's not something that they can wrap their head around. Remember, superheroes wouldn't be where they are now if Marvel hadn't incorporated itself into a studio. And as Marvel Studios decided to make movies based off of their own superhero properties and demonstrated through repeated success, Oh, by Jove, there is a market for superhero fiction. There's not a comparable institution doing that for fantasy fiction. So we don't get any. Anything that you could point out as a fantasy movie that was successful in any way, shape, or form has and will be seen as a fluke by the industry and that's a shame and we'll talk about this a bit more after the break and we're back okay so before we got to the break i was talking about how studios if they can't wrap their head around something won't do it and i think this is where we have to try to find a way to convince a studio because that's what it's going to take someone is going to have to take a plunge And it's going to have to really commit, or this isn't going to work. We've seen this with Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings was huge. The other studios did not buy in. Because think about the other movies that came out around that. There was Dungeons & Dragons, which was loosely based off of a game. And, you know, game movies have always been so good that... We clamor to go see... Okay, so there are reasons beyond being a fantasy movie that the Lord, that the D&D movie didn't work. But, of course, it was understandable and easy to sell because it's D&D. A lot of people play D&D. Let's do that. Uh, there was the Aragon movie, which... I, uh, that kid just had a really good agent... I read that book. I did not really enjoy the book. I know some people did. No no tea, no shade. If you liked Aragon, great. That's wonderful. I'm very happy for you. Enjoy away. It wasn't my cup of tea, and when it translated into a movie, I think regardless of the quality of the script, I'm not sure that it would have made a particularly epic movie. So, we have... The studios able being able to convince themselves that they are not going to be able to make money with this type of content. You have Amazon. I feel so weird saying that. Amazon right now for Prime is making a series based off of The Lord of the Rings. And I get the feeling that it's actually going to be more the adventures of the Dunodyne because apparently they're going to be focusing in on the character of Aragorn. And I believe it's actually going to be starting with his earlier life leading up to the events of the Lord of the Rings. I could be wrong about that. That's just some of the stories that I've been reading about it that could be successful. But yet again, Amazon has not been one to set trends, really. The success of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel hasn't led to a whole bunch of people doing, you know... 40s, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s stand-up series. So there's that. And, you know, the success of uh, Man in the High Castle didn't spawn a lot of alternate history stories. Though kind of maybe one for HBO, but I don't know if it's still going to happen. That Confederate Sea movie um, series that they were talking about, I, I don't even know if that's still going to be happening. haven't heard anything about it in a long time. Netflix could do this, but I think they're at a point in their business model where they're going to start becoming a lot more conservative with their fiction. You can see that they're willing to experiment with fantasy concepts when it comes to their children's entertainment from the Dragon Prince to, I would lump the new Voltron in there. Uh, Troll Hunters, their, what was it? How to Train Your Dragon, Race to the Edge. All of these pre- based on previously popular. Well, I, Troll Hunters, I think, is an exception to that, but there's kind of. It, that's an unfair advantage because Guillermo del Toro was involved, and I think he gets a pass from a lot of studios because the movies that he makes and the work that he does generally makes money. So I think people are more likely to just go along with whatever Guillermo del Toro pitches. Oh, okay. You want to do it Guillermo. Let's, let's see what happens with us. Again, with the exception of the Marco Polo series that they had, which wasn't really a fantasy series though, it towards the last season started edging more and more towards being a Wuxia story and actually did a Wuxia movie, the, uh, Tales of Thousand Eyes. So there was a hundred eyes. Eh, it's been a while but they didn't do a lot of advertising for it they really didn't get the word out on it and they didn't press it as hard as they could have to bring it into the mainstream and like i said it was much more of a period piece story than it ever was a fantasy story so it it could have gone that way but it didn't i just don't see them having the courage of their convictions anymore they're losing all of their first run series. And by that, I mean the ones that they created first. With everything that's happened, House of Cards is now over. We have one season remaining of Orange is the New Black. They've greenlit a lot of movies. I haven't heard much about the series that they've been pushing, so I don't know how many of those are going to be continuing into you know further seasons. They had a success with Sabrina. So... I do expect to see them doing more in that vein to capture more of that audience, which in and of itself, Brina, feels to me like a fill in the gap for fans of stranger things until stranger things comes back. Cause I don't know. There's a similar tonality to both of those shows that I feel that they would uh, attract very similar audiences yet. Another reason why I don't put it in the fantasy category because it does fit better over in you know light horror with stranger things. I, I just don't see them having the boldness to even try to do something like this, either with an original concept or with, you know, a novel series that they would be able to pick up. And you know, with the popularity of Brandon Sanderson's books, and a lot of, you know, I, I, I bring him up because I do think he would be most likely of the current crop of fantasy writers to maybe be able to get a TV series or a movie based on his work. But I haven't heard much thereabouts, so I don't expect to see that anytime soon. So for fantasy fans like myself we're going to have to continue to go predominantly to foreign media. This is, I know, one of the reasons why I have, over the years, become such a big fan of wuxia and wuxia-pen, I'm sorry, wuxia and zhensha films, because, well, China produces quite a few of them, and so long as I'm okay with reading subtitles that day, if I haven't done so much editing or writing work that my eyes just don't want to focus. They, they make good movies to watch. And this is another reason why I think anime has become such a popular thing because Japan doesn't shy away from making fantasy films. But having to rely only on imports from China and Japan, I, I would love to see a native-born industry take on these issues I would like to see them take on these challenges and actually show how this could work I had really high hopes at the beginning of Game of Thrones that it would finally be that thing that proved that you could make money off of fantasy media and would bring us more of the same and by that you know I don't necessarily mean the same but you know what I mean and it didn't I honestly don't know what it's going to take other than a studio to just bite the bullet and decide to do it. Now, if somebody like Jeff Bezos is willing to put the money that he is into doing the Lord of the Rings series, maybe he is a huge fantasy geek and maybe he'll buy up some other properties and we'll see a whole bunch of fantasy series show up on Amazon Prime. It's always possible. I think it's highly unlikely But it is always possible, and then he could lead that wave in making it happen. But until we can find a way to explain fantasy fiction to the executives that greenlight these projects in a way that they can not only understand them, but accept them as the way fiction should be done, as a way that they can tell a story and make money off of it I, I don't see the likelihood of this type of fiction really exploding the way that it should i keep bringing up netflix because you can kind of see this interest in doing this because they keep greenlighting and paying for um let's say let's just be nice and say live action versions of anime shows But again, there's not that much of a risk there because this is actually a market in Japan already. Japan's not a market that they have decent penetration in, so seeing them try to get into that, you know, market better doesn't surprise me that much. But they're not winning a lot of fans with their live action adaptations of anime. Mainly because, you know, for my money, turning a Live action series, I'm turning out a live action series based on a an animated property, I get really nervous about. Now, we do have The Last Airbender coming, and I believe that's going to be on Netflix. And so we will be getting a live action version of an animated show that previously had a very bad M. Night Shyamalan movie based on it. The fact that they're bringing back the original creative team gives me some hope that this show will have a chance to be good. But, again, live-action versions of animated series, you're going to be comparing it to the animated series and a series that was as good as Avatar. I mean, I think this is why we're willing, at least people like me, have been willing to accept whatever we can get for live-action Transformers shows. Because with the exception of some of the more recent shows, I would say starting with um, Transformers Prime, That was a really good show in and of itself and bears up on rewatch. It's not a bad show. The original series is fun. It brings up a lot of nostalgia for me, but it is not a well-done show in and of itself. So, in trying to recreate anything from that era, it will, for the most part, have a better chance of looking good compared to its original material. Uh, Avatar was a really good animated series. The voice acting was well done. The animation style was brilliant. The story, the pacing, everything. They did a really good job. So we shall see and wait with bated breath on that series. And maybe if it does really, really well, I don't know, something. Maybe a live-action Pirates of Darkwater. That would be interesting. I'd like to see Ren... You know, that would actually be really fun because you get the Jim Henson people in to do the monkey birds. Yeah, that could be really fun. Please? Something. Anything. Uh, Money. Capitalism. It destroys everything that we love. Or at least doesn't allow us to have many of the things we'd like to have. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It's something that I've been thinking a lot about, especially as somebody who is currently in the process of editing a fantasy novel and preparing to do an audiobook based upon it. If you did like this episode and the app that you're listening to me on allows you to rate either the episode or the podcast in general, please do so. That helps me out a lot. That tells the algorithm to share the podcast with more people. If you got a buck, you can throw my way. In the show notes, you'll see a link that says "Support on Anchor." If you click that, you can support at the one, five, or ten dollars a month levels. It helps me do things like get Vellum and Worldographer, so that the maps and books that I'm doing will look better, and helps me get the mic. Did you notice I have a new mic? I think it sounds pretty good. It's at least not doing weird dropouts, and unlike the other day when I went to record and it took it five minutes to. Connect to anything so it works. So, thank you to everybody who makes that possible. If you don't have any money or you just don't feel like contributing at this point in time, that's not a problem. Just share the podcast with people that you think will like it, that helps out a bunch too. If you want to get in touch with me, Go to ProjectShadow.com, you can find links to all my social media there, but my preferred way for you to do it is to go to Anchor.fm and download the Anchor app. Once you've done that, please follow Project Shadow, and then you will see a little button that says voice message. If you click that, you can leave me up to a one-minute message, it can be a question, a comment, or a topic you'd like discussed on the show. I love answering those questions. So why do you think we don't get more fantasy television? That's also something I'd love to hear your call-ins on. So, let me know. Until next time, don't forget, have the fun. Bye.